to begin by reading our passage, Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Hear now the words of the only true and living God. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His holy word. You may be seated. This morning we are going to work our way through our passage together. In three points. Our first point is going to be the fifth day, where we are going to look at the details of what Moses writes here about the fifth day of creation. And in our second and third points today, we're going to zoom in on two details from this fifth day of creation. In our second point, we're going to look at the phrase that is repeated in verse 21, according to their kinds. In our third point, blessing, we're going to look at the very first blessing that God gives in Holy Scripture. Well, before we seek to do this, let's go to the Lord in prayer together asking for His help. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, high and exalted above all of creation, but not a God who is far away from us, but a God who is near to us. And Father, as we come to You now seeking to be nourished by Your Word, to seek to have Your Son continue to rule over us as His people, Father, my heart is lifted to three families that just this past week have had things happen in their lives that could distract them from this time of worshiping you, be ministered to by you. Father, I ask that you would meet them at their particular point of need, that you would be near to them and be gracious to them that they can trust that even in those moments of distraction that you are sufficient to give to them the grace that they need to endure. Father, that they need not be anxious about those things because this is your world. And you are working all these things together for their good so that they can 
leave those things in your hands and lift their hearts and their minds to your worship and praise. And Father, help all of us to do that very thing this morning. We have offered up our songs of praise to you in the name of your Son who is at your right hand. We are thankful that you have promised us that in offering them in his name that you have received them and that you are pleased with them. And Father, now we ask that you would help us as we look at your fifth day of creation and that we would learn that which you would have us to. That you would plant your word down deep in us as we often sing. And that you would so work in it that we would not resist your holy war against the remaining corruptions of our flesh that our brother pastor spoke of earlier. Father, we ask that you would so work among us that as we have been studying in our small groups, we would see our Sales as an embassy in this world, but not of this world. And our King, our Savior, creating among us in this embassy a culture, a culture of new creation, of a new mankind, a new humanity. That we would leave this place today and go out into the old creation as salt and light, as testimonies, ambassadors of the new creation, seeking reconciliation for your lost sheep. Father, we ask that you would do this work not only among us, but our sister churches as well. We lift up to you this morning Faith Reformed Baptist Church in Medea, Pennsylvania, and Midway Baptist Church just down the road from here. Father, we also lift up our brother Nathan as he preaches at a church here in our community. Father, work among your people. Cause your word to be rightly divided. Take it by your spirit and apply it to your people that they would be conformed to the image of your son. That they would live holy lives as faithful servants of your son and his kingdom. Father, please use your people to glorify yourself in this world. And help your people to trust that you take all of our joys and all of our sorrows and that you are using them for our salvation. And fathers, we think of joys and the burden of being in this fallen world and enduring the persecution that our king endured while he was here and that his prophets endured. Father, we lift up our persecuted brothers and sisters this morning in Pakistan. 
Father, we thank you that in your kind providences that you have brought your word to them in various ways through your people. We thank you that you have plucked out brambles from the fire, that you have been gracious to our brothers and sisters in Pakistan, and we ask that you would use them and that you would sustain them and give them the grace that they need to endure the persecution that they must, and that they would count it a joy, that you have counted them worthy of suffering for the name of their King. Father, we can't imagine the grace that you give in that way because we don't endure the things that they endure. Father, we, in, we trust that you will meet them at their point of need just as we trust that you will meet us at ours. And though we don't face the peculiar struggles that they do, we have our own, Father, here in our families, in our own lives, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our country. And so we ask that you would minister to us here now through your word. That you would use us to be bright shining lights for your gospel. Father, do this work among us through your word and by your spirit today. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Contentment is a virtue. Discontentment, a sin. In the 10th commandment, God forbids everyone made in His image from coveting, from setting your desires, your heart's affections on anything that belongs to your neighbor. And we contend to think that we are doing well with this commandment as long as we don't break the 8th commandment, which is, you shall not steal. But contentment requires more than not taking something that doesn't belong to you. Contentment requires an inward conformity, an inward satisfaction with God. Contentment requires us to not be dissatisfied with what God has given us, and it requires us to not be envious of what God has given our neighbor. It requires us to not grieve or to be jealous for the good things that God has given to our neighbor or what He has allowed them to achieve in their lives. Perhaps the only thing that we should be discontent with is a lack of contentment. The famous Puritan writer John Bunyan wrote a poem that speaks to this. It reads, He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. I am content with what I have, be it little or much. And Lord, contentment still I crave, because... Thou savest such. This morning as we look at the fifth day of creation, we're going to look at the details in our first point. But after that, in our second and third points, 
today, this issue of contentment is going to be looming large in the background in the form of a question as we consider how God has made us in our second point and the blessings He has given us in the third, this issue of contentment is going to challenge you today, follower of Christ. We know the world of unbelievers are not content to be what God has made them to be. But the question for you this morning is going to be, are you content to be what God has made you to be? Are you content to serve the purpose for which He has created you? Are you content to be lowly and despised and thought a fool in the eyes of the world? Are you willing to go outside the camp of worldly approval, which is where your king is? Let's begin our first point today and look at the details of the fifth day of creation, and then we'll zoom in on a couple of things in our second and third points that will raise this issue of contentment. Well, as we can see clearly in verse 23, our passage this morning is dealing with the fifth day of creation, and right here at the beginning, it is important to take note of the fact that the fifth day of creation is intimately connected with the second and third days of creation that we've already looked at. If you look back in Genesis chapter 1, back to verses 6 and 7, I hope you will recall that on the second day of creation, God separated the waters and made the sky, and then on the third day of creation, He brought forth dry land out of the water and gathered the waters together into seas. And so what God formed on the second and third days of creation, He is filling here on the fifth day of creation. He formed the sky on the second day. Here on the fifth day, He fills it with birds. He formed the oceans on the third day. Here in the fifth day, He fills it with living sea creatures. Now when we look at these days of creation here and see God forming and then filling, one of the things that, should, that we should reflect on is the harmony that we see in the days of creation, the harmony that God has built into the fabric of His creation. It is amazing that Genesis 1 and all of its details fit together. There's no struggle or disunity between the days. Nothing is missing. The days of creation and the things that are being created are not disjointed. They're not disconnected. They're not separated hermetically sealed from one another. And though we are looking at them through the passage of time as the sun sets on one day of creation and rises on another, though we are looking at them in this way, these days are not sealed off from each other. But rather, all of these days are in harmony with each other. They are an organic whole. They are connected, woven, together like a, like a growing tree. As we look at these days of creation, we need to see that like a growing tree, these days of creation begin with foundational things, the roots and the trunk, and once these foundational things have been established, then you get the leaves and the fruit. God first created everything that is on the first day, 
And then he took what he created, and through the rest of the first four days, he's been forming it so that it could serve its purpose that we see here on the fifth day being a place that is habitable, a place that can be lived in, a place where sea creatures and birds could not only live but thrive, a place where these living creatures would have the vegetation of day three and the sun of day four and all of the processes like photosynthesis and evaporation and rain that are essential to sustaining life on earth. And we call these things like photosynthesis and evaporation and rain, we call them natural processes. But as we're trying to cultivate that new creation mindset and culture here in Christ's embassy, we would be better served to think of them as providential processes. Processes that have been ordained by our King. Processes that are sustained and upheld by the word of His power. From the very beginning, all the way down to this very morning, in order to create a place where creatures can live and thrive as God works out His purposes, as God works out His decree that Pastor Quinn has been teaching us about in Sunday school. We should think of them this way because these processes are not just there. They are not brute facts. They're not accidents of history, accidents of creation that exist independently of God's purpose. But rather, brothers and sisters, our God in His infinite wisdom has ordered them to make it so that life can exist here on earth. During this season when everything is blooming and growing, as we plant gardens and mow grass and are reminded of the fall as we sneeze, <laughs> beloved, we as God's people, those He has instructed and taught that all things all of these things are not just here, but they come from His hand. We should not be like the world and presume upon these things, but we should see these things and have them lift our thoughts to giving thanks to our Heavenly Father who provides for us and sustains us every day through these things. Well, as we return to the details of the fifth day of creation here, because it is the constant drumbeat of these days of creation, we must again take note of the fact that God speaks here on the fifth day, and it is so. We can see in verse 20, and God said, and then verse 21 expands on what God says by emphasizing the result of God speaking is, so God created, and after our God who does all things well speaks and creates, we see the declaration at the end of verse 21 of our passage, that God saw that it was good. And verse 22 brings to us the very first blessing of the Bible, and we're going to focus on that in our third point. But right now, as we're going through the details of our passage, I just want you to notice how God blesses the sea creatures and the creatures of the air that He has made. Verse 22 says, And God blessed them, saying. Brothers and sisters, please take note of the fact here 
that God's blessing comes through His Word, through His speech to His creation. We cannot separate the blessing of God from the Word of God. Beloved, this point must be driven deep into our hearts until it takes root and grows and produces fruit in our lives. As we see here in Genesis 1, the constant refrain of, and God said, and God called, which is repeated 14 times in Genesis 1. What must take root and grow in our hearts and minds is that God's omnipotent speech not only created in the beginning, but it is also God's Word that has created you as a Christian. It's God's Word that your King used to subdue you to Himself, to conquer you. And it's God's Word that He is using to conform you to His image. It's God's Word that has created us, brought us together as a local church, And just as it did in the beginning, it must be what shapes and forms our lives, not just as individuals, but also our corporate gatherings. God's Word has created us. It is God's Word that blesses us. It is God's Word that is forming us. And it is God's Word that informs us about the things that we are to pursue in our times together and in our lives in this world. Beloved, we must grow in our understanding and in our applying the Word of God to our lives. It is a lamp for our feet. It is a light to show us the path that we must follow. And just as Moses spoke to the people delivered from slavery when he told them of God's Word in Deuteronomy, he told them, take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today. Command them to your children that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. Brothers and sisters, we too must consider God's word to us, our very life. For what did our Savior say when He defeated Satan in His wilderness temptation? Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let us seek to do that this morning as we move now from these big picture details of the fifth day of creation and zoom in on two of those details. The first of which we will do in our second point as we look at the phrase repeated in verse 21, according to their kinds. What we see in verse 21, when God makes the sea creatures and the winged birds, each according to their own kind, what we see here is that God has placed within creation, within the very fabric of how things are, God has placed an order. Brothers and sisters, reality that we live, move, and have our being in has a divinely imposed order put upon it by its creation, by its creator. An order that forms reality, an order that shapes reality, an order that limits, puts limits on the things that have been created. And there's hardly anything that could be more obvious from our passage this morning as we consider the fifth day of creation. Birds cannot live underwater. 
because that is not their kind. Fish cannot fly through the sky or live on land because they are not of that kind. God made them for His purposes. He made them and He imposed limitations on them according to their kinds, according to the purpose that He intended for them to serve in His creation. And He did not ask their opinion about it when He created them. And immediately we are confronted with the question when we move from the birds and sea creatures to ourselves, are there any limitations on me? the highest of God's creation. Must I live my life according to the purpose for which God has made me? Beloved, the answer is obviously yes. We are not free to determine our own destiny. We are bound by how our Creator has made us, such that in terms of our passage this morning, while we may indeed create technologies that would allow us to swim through the depths of the oceans or fly through the heights of the sky, we cannot grow gills and live underwater. We cannot grow wings to live in the sky. We are earthbound creatures. Not only has God bound us in this way, but He has bound us by bringing us into being in this time, and not a thousand years from now, or not a thousand years before now. But the issue of our day isn't these things. It's not whether we can live in the sky or live underwater or what generation we were brought to bear in. The issue of our day is whether or not we are bound by creation such that a man could be a woman. Or vice versa? And it's a really simple answer, beloved. The answer is no. It doesn't matter how complicated people can make it sound to be, God has made you either a man or a woman, and He did not ask your permission when He did it, and He does not need your opinion concerning it. It does not matter how many people in our world wish to go along with the delusion that you can have surgeries or hormone therapy and because of some inner conviction and confusion in yourself that your body doesn't match your imagined gender, that you can change from being a man to a woman or vice versa. God literally informs all of us in every cell of our body that this is an impossibility. And in going down this road, we ought to recognize that the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. And then just as a little sidebar, we ought to ask ourselves as we consider that fact, that the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, why do we so crave the approval of the world if it's foolishness to God? Our world, in all of its wisdom has concluded that man is the determiner of his own destiny and that his own limitation is that which he imposes on himself. And we, all we have to do is look around and see the results of man's wisdom. 
Our world in striving after this vanity of professing to be wise has become fools. And they have done so because they deny that they are created. They deny that their creator is the one who determines them and puts limits on them. They refuse to recognize that just as God made birds and fish each according to their kind, so too He has made men and women each according to their own sex. And to fight that or to mutilate one's body through chemicals or surgeries is to reject God's created order and to end up as the earth was back in verse 2 of creation, formless and void. And so, beloved, if you are finding yourself tempted to think that these gender issues out there in the world, marriage equality, if you think that they're no big deal, this is usually a younger generation problem, not an older generation problem. If you're tempted to think these things are no big deal, surely by now we have learned that what happens in people's private lives does not stay in people's private lives. The demand used to be that we would tolerate these things. But now the demand is that we celebrate and support these things. Francis Schaeffer had a great saying back in the day, almost prophetic. He said, what used to be looked down upon is now tolerated and one day and will re- eventually be required to be celebrated. It's not exactly verbatim how he put it, but that's the basic gist. And so, while the demand is seemingly out there in our jobs, on social media, in the media as we watch TV, beloved, we must not be delusional and think that it is going to stay out there. Even here in the mountains of North Carolina, it will soon be in here. As the world comes knocking on the doors of this embassy, of the new creation, here at the gathering church, asking if the culture of heaven that our King Jesus is creating among us in here, will it celebrate the ways of the world? This issue will be particularly prominent and difficult for the young people here, not because it's a difficult issue to answer. It's very obvious. But it's particularly difficult for young people because one of your peculiar temptations is to fit in. To be accepted by your peers or by the larger world around you. Dear younger brothers and sisters, you are going to have to decide if you will serve the Lord or if you're going to seek the approval of your peers and the world. Because in many circumstances that you are going to find yourself in in life, you will not be able to do both. And so, brothers and sisters, whether you are young or old this morning, are you prepared to be disdained by the world and hated for Christ's sake?
Are you prepared to become like the church in Pakistan or Ethiopia? Are you prepared to tell your peers in the larger world that God made things according to their kinds? And that a man can no more become a woman than a fish can become a bird. And that God is the creator of the world and He has imposed an order on it. And to abandon that order, to seek autonomy from Him, is in the end not only to die physically, but spiritually as well. Beloved, can you be content to know that God, who has purchased you with the blood of His Son, can you be content to know that He has made you for such a time as this? That He has put you in this time and place where your purpose that you get to serve is to go and be with Christ outside the camp of the world's approval, outside the right side of history. Beloved, can you be content with this? Or are you too proud to be thought a fool by the world? This leads us to a second aspect of this phrase, according to their kinds. We can also see as we look in other parts of the Bible that the divinely imposed order and limitations that God has placed on His creation and creatures, this order serves the purpose of teaching His people spiritual lessons from these physical things. Just as we have seen as we've been going through these days of creation and looked at the themes of light and darkness, creation out of water fruitfulness coming from land that is risen out of the sea, just as we have seen that God takes these physical things and teaches us larger spiritual lessons in Scripture, the same thing can apply here to the fifth day in this phrase according to their kinds. Brothers and sisters, we need to learn from this divinely imposed order that there must of necessity be a distinction between believers and unbelievers. Our lives as followers of Christ are to be of a kind, peculiar. And they must not be conformed to the kind of life that unbelievers live. If this is the world, and this is ideal New creation life, this is Christ. And we're somewhere on the spectrum of faithfulness. Our goal is not to see how close we can get to the world without becoming a part of the world. Our goal is to see how close we can get to Christ. His image. His likeness. Conformity to His way of thinking, His way of living in the world, so that the world looks at us and says, you fools! And we count it a joy to suffer reproach for the name of Christ. Beloved, this was true in Israel as they received this book of Genesis a long time ago. We are instructed that their nation was not to be conformed to the kinds of nations that would be around them, but rather they were to be a distinct nation set apart to serve God's glory. 
Once they failed to serve that task, we know what happened to them. Likewise, we, the church, cannot be conformed to the world around us. We are to be a different kind of humanity. One in conformity with the man from heaven who purchased us, our King. And this lesson will be most clearly seen in the last day at the resurrection. The difference between the sheep and the goats. I believe this is why the Apostle Paul picks up on this theme of different kinds in 1 Corinthians 15 to instruct us about the resurrection when he says, beginning in verse 39, For not all flesh is the same. And you're getting ready to hear language from Genesis 1 in our passage this morning. Not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for star differs from star in glory. So Paul takes this fact of creation found in Genesis 1 that we are looking at in our passage this morning, the fact that God created things according to their kinds, whether birds or fish or sun, moon, or stars. Paul takes this fact of creation, and in comparing different kinds of created things, he teaches us about the resurrection and the contrast between the kind that is natural and the kind that is spiritual. Listen to what he says as he continues. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable kind is raised imperishable, a different kind. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. And this goes back to what Pastor Quinn was talking about, the question about the children's bulletin. The first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. And so as I read the rest of this, ask yourself, which one are you united to? Is your destiny united to the man from earth or the man from heaven? As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Brothers and sisters, when you were in Adam before you were saved, you were earthly, you were fleshly, and you were of the kind that would end in destruction. But in being bought and redeemed by the man of heaven, you have been made into another kind. And so now, beloved, you are of the kind 
that is to be about the labor of putting off the flesh, the old man. Because one day, you are going to put off the natural body and be raised with a spiritual body because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You must have a body like your Savior that you may inherit what He has purchased for you, eternal life. You used to be of the kind of the man of dust, but now you are of the kind of the man of heaven. And this leads us to our last point today as we look at the first blessing pronounced by God in the Bible. Because the birds of the air and the fish of the sea are a particular kind of creation, they were a kind of creation that was created not for their own sakes, but just like the sun, moon, and stars, they were created for the sake of God's image bearers. Because this is the case, the blessing that we see them receive from God here in verse 22, this blessing of reproductive capabilities, this blessing is given to them, but this blessing is not primarily about them. It's not just for their own sakes. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, when he talks about the laws concerning oxen. He says, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And then then Paul asks, is it for the oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? Just as the laws God gave to Israel about animals were not primarily about animals, so too here in Genesis 1, when God blesses the birds and the fish, He does so in order that they would serve His image bearers as they exercise the dominion that God gives them over everything on the earth. This blessing we see in verse 22 of being able to reproduce according to their kind though first given to fish and birds here on the fifth day of creation, reappears over and over again. We'll see it first of all when we look at the sixth day when God blesses mankind who in their original sinless state were blessed to be fruitful by God and to multiply and fill the earth with holy image bearers. That was their labor as they exercised dominion. They were to exercise a righteous and a benevolent dominion over all other created things, birds of the air, fish of the sea, beasts of the ground, over all the earth. We also looked at it a couple of weeks ago and we talked about how following the flood, Noah and his family were to try again to fill the earth with holy image bearers who would exercise a righteous and benevolent dominion. But like Adam and Eve, Noah and his sons and his wives, they all failed to carry out the purpose of this blessing. And so we will see it again later on in Genesis we talked about last week when God sets Abraham apart and promises him that he will make his offspring fruitful and multiply as the stars of the heavens. And so likewise, brothers and sisters, this blessing of birds and fish that we see here on the fifth day of creation is ultimately for the purpose of sustaining God's image bearers, especially His people. Until finally, Jesus Christ comes into the world and accomplishes 
redemption. And having accomplished it, our king uses this picture of blessing to instruct us that we, as new creations, we produce and reproduce and multiply, not through the will of the flesh or the means of the flesh, but through the preaching of the gospel. And it is through that preaching of the gospel that our king will build his church. And he has promised to be with us until the end of the age as he does so through us. And at the end of the age, he will bring the new heavens and earth with him in his return and see to it that in the end, what was supposed to be in the beginning will be. In the end, the new creation will be filled with holy image bearers purchased by the blood of our Savior. And this is our hope, beloved, that the blessings promised in the beginning will be realized by our Savior in the end. It's what Paul talks about in Colossians 1 where he tells us about the hope laid up for us in heaven and goes on to say that this hope as expressed in the gospel is bearing fruit and increasing in the whole world. And Paul concludes this section of Colossians 1 by saying, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Beloved, you have been blessed far above all the fish of the sea or the birds of the heavens. You have been blessed even beyond that blessing which was given to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Because, beloved, your blessing is an eternal one that cannot be lost at a tree of temptation because it was purchased by the blood of the Lamb on the tree of the cross. Brothers and sisters, our blessing, unlike Adam and Eve, our blessing is better than Adam and Eve's because our blessing is not provisional. It's not on probation. It's not suspect to failure because our blessing is not dependent upon us. Our blessing has been given to us because our Savior has purchased it for us and promised to be with us until the end of the age. And while we are in this age, He has promised to bless our labors through the preaching of the gospel and to use it to build His church such that nothing can prevail against our labors of being fruitful and multiplying. So beloved, set your face to this labor of yours that your King has given you to be fruitful and multiplying through the spreading of the gospel in the whole world. Through the preaching of that gospel in your spheres of influence, through the planting of churches, through the sending out of missionaries to plant other churches and other places, as Christ brings about fruitfulness and multiplication here. The goal is not for it to stay here. We should learn from Acts chapter 1, when Jesus says, You will be my witnesses in Judea, where they were, in Samaria, a little bit bigger than where they were, and to all the ends of the earth. 
And what happened when the apostles and disciples all stayed at huddled in Judea? God brought persecution to spread them out throughout the world. So as He blesses us here and creates a, a new creation culture here, we need to understand it is not just for the purpose of us enjoying it and being fruitful and multiplying here and, and, and basking in its glory and enjoying its fruits, but it is for the purpose of exporting it to other places until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Brother, set in your face to being fruitful and multiplying, as Paul said in Colossians 1. It's not a mysterious process. He says, do so by praying, by doing the good works that He has commanded of you, and one we rarely think about, also by increasing in your knowledge of God. Brothers and sisters, we close this morning and prepare to enter into a time of reflection on our passage. I hope that you will see from this passage the power of God's Word to create and bless in the beginning as well as now. The wisdom of our God to impose on His creation a created order with which we are to conform our lives to, and the gracious blessing that He has given to His creatures, and more importantly, the eternal blessing He has given to you, His ransomed people. I hope that you will see these things and reflect on them and that they will produce in you what Paul spoke of in Colossians 1, that you will be strengthened for endurance and joy that your knowledge will increase and that it will all cause you to be fruitful in every good word, in every good work. And beloved, finally, in knowing these things and having heard these things, knowing that in doing these things, in the way God has told us to in His Word, in laboring in these ways for your King in this world, knowing that doing so is going to bring persecution your way sooner or later for all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I pray that God will use these words to cause you to be content with the portion that your King has seen fit to give you. Such that you can say with John Bunyan, He that is down." needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble, ever shall have God to be his guide. Beloved, can you say these words? I am content with what I have, be it little or much. And Lord, contentment still I crave, because thou savest such. Let's pray. O great God of highest heaven, magnify your name in us. Lord Jesus, our King, rule over us. 
Subdue us. Subdue our pride. For you have instructed us that if we are prideful, you oppose us. But you give grace to the lowly in spirit. You have said they are blessed. Father, help us to be satisfied with the generation you have birthed us into and put us in. Help us not to despise it by looking at the world around us and seeing it going crazy and mad and wonder, why why have you put me here, God? Oh God, help us to see that you have put us here in this time to labor faithfully for you. You have put us here to endure persecution. And you have instructed us that when we refuse to count it a joy, as we so often do, when we refuse to go outside the camp and be with our Savior, you have instructed us in the Proverbs that we become like polluted fountains. Muddied streams when the righteous give way to the wicked. Oh God, help us to be your ambassadors. Nurture us, our King Jesus, here in the womb of your church, here in the new creation. Cultivate among us a culture of new humanity with a new vision of how we are to live in the world, such that we don't desire to look like the world, but we desire to be conformed to your image, King Jesus. Cause our hearts, our minds, our souls to marinate in what that means. And cause us to leave the embassy and go out into the world as salt and light willing to be persecuted for the sake of our King's name. Counting it a joy to do so. Oh, Father, forgive me, for I am weak in this area. Bold when standing before your people to preach these words, but weak when I'm out in the world in front of other image bearers who are lost. Oh, King Jesus, help me. And help my brothers and sisters who in many ways are not unlike me. Help us. Conform us. Rule over us. Work in us that we would not shrink back, but that we would will and work for your good pleasure. Oh, King Jesus, help us to reflect on these things now. And in a few minutes, we are thankful that inside your embassy, inside this new creation culture, you have 
left your table for us to feast at, to be nurtured from, to be sustained by. Do use it, O King Jesus, today to those ends as well. Father, we are completely dependent upon you for this. For we can seek to strive after creating this new humanity culture among us. We can strive to be a to build a wonderful embassy of Christ's kingdom here at the gathering church. But we know that if you do not grant your spirit to form us and to conform us, that we strive to build the house. If you do not do it, we labor in vain. And Father, we await to see what you will do for your great name. For we are dependent on you. We were dependent upon you to raise us from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And we are just as dependent upon you to conform us to the image of your Son. Oh, Father, as we think about these things, help us to think about 10,000 years from now. That we would live now in such a way that we would not be ashamed of some of these things 10,000 years from now. For you have told us that our life is but a vapor. And as we get older, we know that to be true. We are but dust and weak children, Father. We are thankful that you are able to help us, that you are eager and willing to help us. And so we come to you as your Son taught us to ask. Ask for good things. That is what we are doing, Father, and we know because of what your Son taught us in Matthew 7 that it will be given to us. We are seeking that culture of new humanity, and we know based on the authority of what your Son taught us that we will find it. Father, we are knocking at your door. Asking for these things. We trust and believe by faith that you will open to us. Help us now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.